Welcome to the Covered Beloved Podcast, where we choose to live faith-infused, holistic lifestyles while nourishing and renewing our minds to experience the depths of God's love for us. Hey there, I'm Heidi Brom, world changer and mom on a mission to bring a whole new level of health and wellness to your home. As a decade-long essential oil advocate, self-proclaimed personal and kingdom development junkie, and your holistic lifestyle strategist, I believe that when God created the earth, he didn't leave us without solutions, that he created us to be healthy and whole, and that he's covered each and every one of us as mothers with his protection, grace, and wisdom on how to live our most healthy, happy, and joyful lives. Are you ready? It's time to become the healthy home mom God created you to be, because he's got you covered, beloved. Let's dig in. Hey, beloved, welcome back to the show. Do you struggle with showing up in your church community because everything seems to revolve around food or being judged for avoiding the food that comes with it? The truth is you're missing out on all the other ways you can be supported or encouraged by the grace of a community. And as you immerse yourself in the word of God, he's going to start transforming your view of food and your understanding and love for what he created food to be even within these types of settings. I'm on a mission to bring a whole new level of health and wellness to your home and help women of faith heal their relationship with food, restore their identity in Christ, and lose toxic weight for good so they can finally become the healthy home mom God created them to be. My story and my struggles with emotional eating and weight gain started when I was about nine years old when my parents separated, and I share about my journey of gaining and losing the same 40 to 60 pounds over and over again during different seasons of my life and pregnancies and all of that. I share that in episode number 52. So this is a healing process, right? This is a journey towards freedom with food, and it's not an overnight gig. Some pieces take years to heal, and then some, after years of struggle, are healed and delivered in an instant, like my come-to-Jesus moment in the bathtub with alcohol, which I share in episode number 57. So in today's episode, I will be sharing my personal takeaways from chapter 10 in the full book by Asherita Chuchu, Food, Jesus, and the Battle for Satisfaction. When I went through this book in 2019, it completely changed my life so much so that I chose it for the 12-week curriculum for my breakthrough program, The Biblical Weight Loss Blueprint, to truly give you weapons for weight loss that work for lasting freedom to help you renew your mind, to make you wise to the enemy's tactics so you can armor up and stand against his schemes, and to help you trade guilt for grace in your relationship with food. So in this episode, I'm going to share key highlights from this chapter on feeling alone and isolated in your food struggles and how to harness the grace of community to help you find food freedom. We'll talk about how you can harness, again, the grace of community to um, find food freedom instead of isolating yourself when you're struggling with your fixations with food, with those obsessions food thoughts and to listen in and just learn the power of feeding the physically and spiritually hungry in your community to have God see your sacrifice and turn your food fixation outwards. Before we get into all that though, I want to let you know that even though the doors are closed for the beta group of the Biblical Weight Loss Blueprint, which launched this month, um, they're already seeing results in this program. I am super excited for the progress that the ladies are making so far. I want to let you know that we have a waitlist growing for the next round that is launching April 
1st, 2022. So if you want in, be sure to join the Biblical Weight Loss Blueprint Facebook group today so that you can get access to the replay. That'll be up for just a little bit longer. That's the replay of the Food Freedom Workshop that explains all about the program. So in this workshop, I unpack the three mistakes that people make when trying to lose weight, the four signs of emotional eating, and of course, the Biblical Blueprint that can change it all for you. The last episode, number 66, I shared Rachel's testimony from the program, and today I want to play an additional clip from the Food Freedom Workshop where we got a chance to hear firsthand from Rachel a little more of her story, what went well for her during the program, what was hard or challenging at first for her when she started the program, and where she's at today. So not only was she able to find food freedom, but she also lost a total of 35 pounds doing two rounds of the program while gaining confidence and developing a deeper relationship with God. I couldn't be more proud of all the work and healing that she's doing. This program helps you realign your body, your spirit, your soul. It helps you restore your relationship with food. It helps you reclaim your identity in Christ. And it also helps with the physical part, right? It creates accelerated results in weight loss and focusing on the right type of fat. And um, that creates the motivation needed to then make lifestyle changes all while healing from the inside out. So the behavior change part sticks over the long term. Head over to the Biblical Weight Loss Blueprint Facebook group, watch the Food Freedom Workshop replay pinned at the top of the group, and you can decide for yourself if you want to apply for the next round. You're going to be in the right place over the next couple months if you're hanging out in that group with us because current students that are in the beta group, they're going to be posting their wins on Wednesdays and going live each Friday to share what God is doing in their life through this program. So you can just kind of watch, watch and see what they're doing and um, pay attention to how the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and if this program is a good fit. If this is something that is speaking to your heart, um, go ahead and join the Facebook group today. Of course, everyone's invited. Watch the replay and apply if you feel led. Just because you apply does not mean you will get into the program, so there's no harm there. We have 12 spots open, and 10 of those are what I call founder spots, which will get beta pricing. So I have 10 of those spots available. The deadline to apply is Friday, February 25th. I know that seems really far away, but it'll be here before you know it. And here's more from Rachel. So tell us what it was like before joining the Biblical Weight Loss Blueprint. This We didn't have a name when we first started working together for the program, and now we have a name, which is awesome. But just tell us a little bit of your story and your biggest struggle you were having. So yeah, I've been overweight pretty much my whole life. I've been on a diet for about 28 years and failed at every single one. I remember my first realization that I was overweight was in the fifth grade when I wanted to be a cheerleader and they didn't have an outfit big enough to fit me. That's when I realized that I was different than the other children. I remember being in Weight Watchers, 12 years old, all the way up, you know, high school and adulthood. I mean, I've been on a diet the whole time, pretty much my whole life. And yeah, just failed. And then when you came to me and asked, you know, have you ever asked God, I was like, no, it never even occurred to me that to do such a thing. I I wasn't brought up, I, you know, we didn't have a religion. We didn't go to church. So I've always struggled with that too, finding my, my spirituality, finding God. So I was very vulnerable in all of it. And I guess just to the breaking point, you know, because it's a lot of weight and frustration to carry around for so many years. So I was willing to try anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how did you feel that God moved through your life throughout this program? Oh, it's so, there's so many things that's happened in that 12 week program. When I have a relationship with him, I, 
I speak with him, talk to him every night. And I would love to do the mornings, but mornings are chaotic. So every night is my time with him. I've, you know, just asked him what, why can't I lose the weight? And I've really found that, like you said, emotional eating. And until I looked inward and could look at those patterns and my food fix- fixations, and he really helped me realize them, bring them to light. And until I could change them. I don't think I ever would have lost weight. So working on those things has really helped me to shed the weight. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Where are you seeing freedom as a fruit or as a result? Where are you seeing that freedom or that fruit? Well, I see it in a lot of ways. I still haven't had alcohol. I think it's been 22, 23 weeks now. And I'm still like shocked at myself. And it's so that's it's I that's a freedom to me. I can actually be social without drinking. I can actually go to a social event without eating. You know, I, I think it was just one of those things like a habit. You you go to an event, you're like, oh, I can eat whatever I want or drink whatever I want because it, I'm at an event. So just having that freedom to make the choices because, you know, if I'm not hungry, I don't have to eat. But in the past, I just ate because it was a habit. So yeah, that's, that's a real freedom to have. Awesome. So good. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so yeah, was this program worth it for you? Oh, so much, so much. I, I was actually reading my notes from that journal that you talked about, you know, going through week one, it was like, I actually lost a couple pounds. And now mm-hmm. when reading that, I, I think today I'm at 35 pounds Mm -hmm. shed so yeah it's yeah it's totally worth it awesome would you mind sharing what went well for you what stands out that you're like this went really really well well definitely the 35 pounds as well um fitting into my clothes is amazing I actually went to the YMCA today for a swim with my daughter and I actually felt comfortable in the swimsuit which I've never said ever in my whole entire life yeah. I mean, yeah, I you have to go shopping for new clothes. I know. I mean, I have a long ways to go, but it just, it feels so amazing. I don't even know what other words to describe it. Other than, I guess, I feel like just kind of like a wave through me. Like, I just feel cleansed. I feel, mm-hmm. it's hard to explain, but I guess I feel lighter, not only because of the weight, but just like that burdens off my shoulders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then would you mind sharing what didn't go well or maybe what you felt was hard? Well, in the beginning, it was, you know, tough to not have that wine or not have like those. I used to eat late at night because I used to stay up way too late. So that was tough, but I got over it. I asked God for help and well, of course your help and just, talk to God and just ask, you know, help me get through this, help me realize why I do this. And so with his strength, I was able to pull through. Awesome. Do you have a memorable or aha moment you'd like to share? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is like, just like I said, going inward. I focused a lot on my childhood and the things that came up like in those sessions that we were doing when we were praying, mm-hmm. it made me realize why food was the way it was in my life. Mm-hmm. One being when my grandma 
would out of love feed me and feed me more and feed me more and then grandpa's sitting there at the table telling me how fat I was mm. so food food to me in my whole life it showed me love but it also was something that I hated and it, it gave me sadness it gave me frustration so seeing that was really an eye-opener to to why mm-hmm. I have most of my food fixations too yeah that was a powerful session and if, if anybody wants to listen to that Rachel gave permission for me to share it's episode 60 on the podcast and it just really highlights how the enemy can take this and twist like love with food, but like twist it with shame. And um, it becomes a part of you and a piece of you and a lie that then you believe from childhood on and you don't even realize it. So thanks for giving permission to share that. Okay, one last question. What would you say to the woman who believes that she can't do this program? I say if I can do it and have success, which I mean, anyone can do it. I think it's just just signing up and doing it and trying it. And I know that you will have success. So just jump in for yourself and do it. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Rachel. I know a biblical approach is needed because when we aren't in alignment with who God says we are, we are susceptible to the enemy's lies. Either God is shaping our mind or the world is. And I want to keep planting seeds that will open your heart to the idea that the Lord wants to fight this battle for you and victory is found in Jesus. So today we are talking about feeling alone and isolated in your food struggles and how to harness the grace of community to help you find food freedom. Okay, so this is covering chapter 10 in Asherita Chuchu's book, Full, Food, Jesus, and the Battle for Satisfaction. So this idea of embracing community. I know probably it's more simple and more a natural response to keep yourself out of sight and isolate yourself and just keep yourself hidden when you're struggling with food and your weight and being in social situations that maybe you feel like you can't control. You know, if you were to start eating something, you would just want more. And so that's the natural tendency, right? To isolate yourself. But then also on the flip side of that, we almost have this church approved sin, right? Uh, Where it doesn't matter if your weakness is brownies or coffees or soda or alcohol or anything like that. If it's something that you're being controlled by and you're not being led by the Holy Spirit, that's where you're getting stuck. So it's uncomfortable to think about this truth that when we're in these social settings, like in church, food is readily available. It's this common thing. I remember going to a couple potlucks and church events and just watching people race to the lines to fill their plates. Men before women and children, it was I was, it actually caught me a little bit off guard when I saw this and I just encouraged my family to be patient and just kind of wait until everybody was done. But with these church potlucks, right, they can lead to this almost approved sin where people are like, well, we're not, you know, drinking alcohol or doing this other thing. And, and so it's not really talked about much in the church. But when we look at the spirit of God, right, or whatever this other thing that is controlling us is we are slaves to whatever we allow to control us. In 2 Peter 2, 19, it says, for a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. And we know that we cannot serve two masters. So either we serve and obey food or we serve and obey God. And the spirit of God does not control that part of our heart. Like we are choosing with our free will 
to be a slave to this other thing, this idol, in this case, food. Galatians 5, 16, 17 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. And as Paul is talking in, when we look at Corinthians, which I'm going to share a verse from this in just a minute, he's talking to the Corinthians because they have an issue with the church, right? It's this atmosphere around them. They're struggling with what they are surrounded by. In various ways, they are struggling or they were struggling with their environment. They were surrounded by corruption, sin all around. They felt the pressure to adapt and yet they knew they were free in Christ, right? But they had all these idols around them and all these temptations and they're like, what should we do? And so we see in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, Paul says, if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out that you can endure. And so in the next verse, in in verse 14, it says, so my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. When we put food in the position that God has, when we put food as our idol above God, that is where we slip, we fall, and we get into trouble. And then he goes on to say, you are reasonable people. Decide for yourselves if what I'm saying is true. When we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. Think about the people of Israel. Weren't they united by eating the sacrifices at the altar? He said, what am I trying to say? Am I saying that food offered to idols has some significance? That idols are real gods? No, not at all. I'm saying that these sacrifices are offered to demons, not God. And I don't want you to participate with demons. You cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons too. You cannot eat at the Lord's table and at the table of demons too. Wow. This really hit me actually when I was going through a different study. It was a 40-day sugar fast and I was like, what? Sitting, dining with demons? Like, what is this? And so when we actually think about the foods, and I'll get to grace and community in a minute, but I just feel like I'm going, I have to go off on this little tangent here. But when we look at food products that are created in a lab by man that are modified to have these flavor enhancers, there's actually tons and tons of patents on human receptor sites, like taste buds, basically. Um, that tastes or flavors that interact with our receptor sites on our taste buds. Um, This food is manufactured to entice and heighten and just um, enhance these flavors that cause addictive behaviors that want you to have more, right? The goal of the company is to sell more food, not necessarily to keep you healthy or keep you spiritually fit. And so when you think about the food choices and just having this buffet before you when you're at church or when you're in these settings, social settings. Um, that is what Paul is speaking to, right? Any food substance that hijacks your command center, which a lot of these flavor enhancers do, MSG is one of them. They kind of, it's an excitotoxin. It basically excites your brain cells to death, but it's very, it creates an addiction as well. And so any food or substance that hijacks your command center and causes us to lose control of our actions, like that that's an idol. You can't be controlled by both food and the spirit. And that's what Paul is saying here. And for us, that is something that, you know, can be an issue when we get into church 
and when we're in community because not everybody maybe is at the same level as you or maybe they're not really realizing that this is something that, you know, is a sin. They're looking at, well, we're just getting together and we're gathering. And yes, that's true. But what is the posture of your heart when you're doing this? When we go to churches that are particularly known for hospitality and can throw a better party than anyone else, right? Then some people even just end up coming just for the food. They wouldn't share that, of course, but they're not really coming with a heart and a posture to gather and to be part of a community. There's other motives behind that. And when we look at something that (laughs) we're justifying little unhealthy habits, like, well, I'm here for church and so I'm going to have this. You know, it's not something that we like to bring attention to, but it's something we have to think about when we're in these situations where we want to be there for community and gathering, but everything is surrounded by food. You might even notice this in your family. I actually have a lot of people that go through the program and they're like, I didn't realize how much everything revolved around food. Like it's this unspoken idol in I get that food can create connection and it can create this these memories and this, yes, it certainly helps set the atmosphere, but it's gotten way overboard. And so how do we harness the grace of community and come together when everything revolves around food? So I have some tips for you. One is to have intentional conversations. Maybe actually even backing this up a little bit, eating before you go to your community event or your church is a great option. And then focus intentionally on those conversations and those connections. Again, the enemy wants to keep you away from people. So if he can put your food problem before your your ability to connect and relate to the body of Christ, he's going to do that. And that's going to keep you away from connecting. So I want to just highlight there is a grace in community and we're meant to go through this life together with the body of Christ. But maybe it's something that you can talk to uh, your pastor about or some church leaders about that. Hey, can we gather together with maybe just some tea and not necessarily have food every single time? We need to be having these conversations, right? In safe places, free from judgment, anything like that. But just maybe highlighting like, hey, you know, I'm just sensing that there's something maybe before the real reason of why we're gathering together. Okay, the next thing is to study scripture to form a biblical theology of food. And this again comes from Asherita's book in chapter 9. She says, For too long we've allowed the secular world to tell us what we should believe about food. And while we can learn much from science and the intricate ways God creates our bodies, the medical community can only offer a limited perspective of how God created us to use and enjoy food. And when we look at how food is, transforms our view of God and how that can almost be stolen from us when we're in situations that puts food before God or food above God, we're not able to grow and connect and appreciate food for truly what it is, which is a gift from God and the gift that he meant it to be, right? He provides for the birds. He provides for all of our needs. And so as you begin studying scripture, you can ask God to help you see and understand his plan for food in your life. Like I was so grateful recently. It was late fall And I tried growing my own strawberries and it worked for a while. And I think I got three strawberries and I realized like I can go to the grocery store and get organic strawberries for $3, three something, you know, a pint. And I was just like, I am so grateful that these yummy organic strawberries are available to me and God provides for my every need. 
And so I just would enjoy these strawberries just so intentionally with this appreciation and this posture of gratitude and thankfulness that it was still fall and we could get these yummy, delicious, fresh strawberries, that there was a satisfaction that God was nourishing my body with this food. You know, that's completely different than going to, you know, church and everybody doing the potluck and everybody racing to the front of the line and the dessert table and just overstuffing themselves. And what are they really there for? What are they there to for but to connect and really have those intentional conversations and have this posture of this real foundation from the Bible, as you read stories, right, noticing what role food played in their interactions and what you can learn from each of the people in the Bible. Think about Adam and Eve and Esau and Jacob and everybody had their own issues, right? There's the Israelites and the manna. But as you immerse yourself in the word of God, he's going to start transforming your view of food and your understanding and, and love for what God actually created food to be. The other tip that I'm going to give you to just embrace the grace of community is to gather with your church to feed the hungry. When I go through my fasting program, we actually, we're not doing a complete fast. So we're not, you know, abstaining from food completely for 40 days. It's a partial fast. And so when you think about what is the gap between the amount of food I would have eaten on a normal basis versus the fast, taking that difference and, you know, as I'm curbing my appetite for these things and as I'm fasting, who really needs to be fed in this season? And how can I take maybe what would have been wasted from a meal from that week or, again, the gap of the difference between what I would have normally ate compared to what I'm eating now that I'm doing a partial fast. There's hungry people out there that need to be fed not only physically but spiritually as well. And so looking, you know, maybe something that you can do with your church and within the community that you're a part of, that there's a grace on that, that God is honoring that. And he's seeing what you're doing as you're fasting and sacrificing and turning your face towards him, that he's presenting to you this possibility that other people need to be fed more than you. And it's such a powerful position to be in. Perhaps one of the easiest ways even to turn our food fixation outside in or on top of its head is to stop worrying about food and focusing instead on those who desperately need to be fed. And then finally, looking at what you can do within your church community as you're gathering together, as you're creating these intentional connections. If food is a struggle for you and going to church and being around these food-centered events is a struggle for you, just kind of showing you how you can embrace that grace that there is with community that we were meant to commune together, but earnestly seek the Spirit's direction and what He wants you to do in your community and looking at what doors can be opened for you in that realm. Like maybe it's up to you to start bringing healthier choices to your church and to um, look at what you can do with your congregation and how you can create more intentional gathering within that space. Maybe you can do healthy classes within your church, healthy cooking classes or Bible studies on food. Take the full book into your church and do it as a Bible study with your church. Wouldn't that be phenomenal? I think it would be amazing to see how the church can come alongside individuals struggling with food issues and then completely flip the health of the congregation you know do a 180 and for those that are struggling like how they can be lifted up and become empowered and healthy as a congregation together man that would be so empowering just to you know think about creative ways that you can encourage a more holistic view of discipleship within your community and within your church you know body spirit and soul and really harnessing this togetherness versus isolation with food struggles. 
A lot of times people don't want to go to church because there's food involved and they're uncomfortable because it's something they're internally struggling with and there's food everywhere, right? So looking at, you know, how your food struggles influence your witness to those that are around you and vice versa. How are other people witnessing to you if they're struggling with food or if everything is revolving around food? All right, and then I want to share just real quickly how community is so amazing within our program because not only do we have our Facebook group, but when we do the Biblical Weight Loss Blueprint program, we actually have prayer partners. And so with your prayer partner, that's part of the support that's built in and designed. One thing that people wanted was community support and connection as they were going through this process so they didn't feel like they had to do it alone and they didn't have to struggle alone because they've been there, done that, and it didn't work. Some amazing things when I ask for my uh, those that fill out the application, I say, what can you contribute to this community? And I love the responses, and I'll share just a few with you. One says, I'm the friend that keeps directing people to the Lord, even if it makes them uncomfortable, and I'm great with listening, but also very direct. I have the desire to change my family's legacy so those patterns don't continue on. Another person put, I am the support and encouragement. I'm a natural cheerleader, minus the pom-poms and short skirt. Another says, I'm a woman of faith who's seen as distinct and different in happy ways from the woman of the world. And I'm a daughter of heavenly parents who love me and whom I love. And so she's just sharing, I have a deep compassion, love, and understanding for others. And I love celebrating others' success. Another one says support, community, camaraderie, sharing successes, downfalls along the journey. That is something that's a strength that she can bring to our community. And finally, one says I can bring friendship, support, lend a listening ear, and maybe I can suggest something that I know worked for me. So at the same time that we realize and recognize in these, you know, kind of approved situations where food is all around us and it's hard to say no but yet at the same time this is our gathering place this is where we gather with the body of Christ and where we come together you know on a weekly basis if not more often and so a lot of people struggle with that they're like how do I go to church when I just I just all I think about is food and how am I going to you know what are people going to think of me if I don't eat this or everyone else is eating something but I'm just drinking my water you know and so looking at that but also looking at we're missing out we're missing out on all these other ways that we can be supported because of what I just shared about all these different attributes that these women bring to our program. And so think about that within your church of like you would miss out on all of that support and that grace of community. Again, that's going to help you find food freedom. That's, you know, they're going to be able to encourage you that day or they're going to be able to help you look at things in a different way, even if it makes you uncomfortable and direct you back to the Lord and to what the Holy Spirit is trying to share with you. So beloved, if you are feeling alone and isolated in your food struggles and want that grace of community, I encourage you to join the Biblical Weight Loss Blueprint Facebook group. You can search that on Facebook or just follow the link in the show notes and join our community. It's open to everybody. Of course, everyone is invited and we do encouragement in there daily. We just are growing that group. It's starting small, you know, so we're just over 100 members at this point, but would love to have you join our community and of course, invite friends as well. So beloved, I pray that you prosper in your health and all things until next time. Hey, beloved, real quick before you go, if you found value in today's podcast and you learned something new, head over to iTunes for Covered Beloved and leave a five-star review. Hit subscribe while you're there. And of course, if you have friends who would benefit from today's episode, be sure to share. Until next time, remember, God's got you covered.